Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield, this is Nathan Guerra and this is the Zwiftcast, coming up on this episode. Uh, yes, we know we're late, but at last, our verdicts on the Alp de Zwift and a word on the new climb from none other than the Zwift CEO, Eric Min. Now, Nathan and I had a late night last night working on the Kiss Crit Race finals, all the behind-the-scenes chat and gossip from that. And a factory tour from Madison, Wisconsin, Nathan's backyard, with Cyclops, makers of the Hammer Trainer. Well, hello, Nathan. <laughs> How's it going, Simon? I, I'm tired after last night. I think maybe you are too. We're already on camera again. Like You're like, all right, we're rolling. And oh my gosh, here we go again. No, it's all good, though. I actually love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fantastic event, and we'll get, we'll get more into that shortly. But man, it was pretty hard work, and we weren't even racing. Anyway, we are joined, not live, as you can see, because here's me and Nathan, but we are joined on tape by our favourite Aussie, one Shane Miller. G'day, mate. I'm used to being pre-recorded. So this is just perfect for me. I'm all happy. How are you doing, Simon? Yeah, I'm doing very well, actually. Uh, climbing legs were deployed on the Alp. Uh, I got up there in just over an hour. Uh, we'll get to your time in a, in a moment. But um, have you been up it, first of all? And what do you make of it? Well, I must confess, I haven't been all the way to the top just yet. I got halfway the other day during a Llama Lab test with some more Shame. equipment here in the, uh, the pain cave, but I haven't been to the top. I've seen everyone's photos and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the challenge, but I'm only halfway there. So yeah, my apologies to the, uh, the Zwiftcast listeners. By the next Zwiftcast, I would have gone to the top three times. What the hell have you been doing, dude? Uh, I mean, why have you not got to the top? Actually, good point. Good point. Maybe we should reverse back a little bit there. Yeah, well, the, the climb did come out when I was in one of my favourite places on the earth, Disneyland, and I wasn't able to ride it. And then I've spent some time with family in San Francisco. I, I've, I'm falling in love with California. I've spent nearly a whole month in the US already. Uh, traveling California I've been off the bike which has been a good rest I've been getting a lot of runs in a lot of hikes and things like that so it just it just hasn't happened yet and the weather here is unseasonably still warm so I've been making the most of that back home so I I can't think of any other excuses at the moment other than look let's be honest I've just been lazy I haven't been to the top Uh, Nathan, I do feel that our Shane needs to get his finger out and actually get up the Alp. Uh, that's some admission from him that he's not managed it. And we've got some really interesting figures later on from Eric Min on how many Zwifters actually have done it. Um, but you and I are amongst the ones who have. Uh, I was pretty chuffed with my time, actually, just a minute over, actually 48 seconds over, over the hour, which I'm, I was quite pleased about, actually. But you... Shot up it, mate, like a rat up a drain pipe or something similar. 45 minutes? Yeah, 45, 45 minutes. Um, got goals to be better, but uh, not a bad time at all. I, you know, I don't know. You know, I always want better. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody <laughs> always wants better. The other, yeah. I see some of the other times, and I know I'm not, like, the absolute best shape I could be in right now. I haven't been, like, training to get ready for a season, really, this season, mm-hmm. so... Um, I've got other goals, you know, there's some back, there's some back chatter about like what we could maybe get done by the end of the summer, but yeah. I'm not going to throw any numbers out there because then I'm going to be held to an expectation. But actually, I mean, I, I think this is a really interesting thing about the Elder Swift, actually. You go up here and you get a time and you immediately, you totally immediately think to yourself, 
what could be my, you know, how could I better that? What realistically would be my best time up that? I mean, I think I, could, I, think I could get under the hour. I'm not by much, to be honest. Not unless I drop five or ten kilos, which probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, but you know, I think I could get to maybe 55, 56. I'd be pretty happy with that. What I mean, what's your, what do you realistically think you could get to? I'm not going to hold you to it, but Whoa. what, you know, what do you think you could get to? Um, you know, to hold a solid. Between 5.0 and, and 5.5, all the way up. Watts per kilo. That, yeah. yeah, watts per kilo. That would be a goal of mine. And, um, you know, if I were going to go for like my top tip top shape, and uh, I think that would put me somewhere between a 40 and 42 yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, there is also, I was talking with Jordan Rapp a little bit, and uh, when he was, after he had done his back at Zwift HQ, and there is things you could do differently during the climb at the sharper sharper ends of the gradients mm. when it really gets steep those are the times that you lose the most time or gain yeah. the most time yeah. actually so yeah, there yeah. are things that you can tactically yeah. do during your effort to make your time yeah. faster which is really interesting if you can figure out the best times to put in your biggest digs and then where do you stay consistent so yeah. it's actually this um it, it's actually a skill actually and, yeah. and it needs to be well thought out if you really want to get the best time up and over the top yeah. The thing that struck me immediately about the Alp, and I don't want to whinge about this, actually. In fact, I hardly want to whinge at all. I've got one minor whinge, maybe two minor whinges about the Alp. I think it's an absolutely fantastic piece of work. I mean, I think Zwift have done an amazing job in getting a big climb into the game. They've done it brilliantly. But one thing, and just talking about times there, that struck me instantly, kind of like a thunderbolt, was I really, really want a race my ghost feature on the climb or, you know, going against your personal best which is a, a visible bot i just think that it's absolutely crying out for that do you yeah i think being such a long effort like that and unless you're with others that are around you that you can kind of race i mean it does kind of seem like going up the alp everybody just kind of sets their own pace there isn't really yeah. much i mean it's such a steep gradient over and over and over again yeah. coming at you that it's going to be difficult to really stay as a pack unless you're with someone who's very right on your same uh same level yeah how other well the way you're going to get that but just you yeah. as a ghost yeah, yeah. Racing going up yourself. at the same level racing, racing yourself, yourself to the top. I, I do think that will be just a brilliant i mean i'm sure they're going to add to the the, the features are going to be added to, to the they to actually the, said yeah, that yeah. some things didn't get in yeah. to this yeah. specific yeah, yeah. climb yeah. that are coming down the road and i also think when we're talking about how you will tactically climb and when you put your efforts in you can watch the ghost then and see where it made mistakes or where it excelled yeah. compared to what you're doing yeah yeah. Yep. So um, if you're listening, John, we really would love that. We, <laughs> we really would love that. But anyway, um, talking of senior people at Zwift, at the Kiss Crit finals last night, uh, Eric Min showed up. He seemed to absolutely love what was going down. He had a huge smile on his face the whole time. Uh, and uh, Nathan grabbed him for a chat. And we did actually talk a little bit about the Alp. And this is really interesting what Eric's got to say. Here it is. It seems like it's really been a hit. So the uh, stats that I, I can share with you is about 35,000. 35,000 people, 35, people have, have, have gone have up. Climbed up yeah, to us. Yeah. Uh, but when we have uh, Watopia available, on average, over 5,000 people climb. So it's, it's like a, essentially a fondo every day oh that takes gosh. place. Wow. And that's just, I mean, what was the release date? I mean, that was that's a pretty close release date. It's 
couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was just a that's couple it? of weeks that's ago. It? I mean, that's that is 35,000 people. That is a gigantic yeah. number. So if you had asked me, would we build something like Alpha Zwift two, three years ago, I would have said, no way. It just wouldn't be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually surprised ourselves. It, yeah, is, it is fun. I, you know, there was a little bit of chatter on Zwiftcast. Mm-hmm. Simon was like, I'm not sure people are going to want to climb yeah, this thing. Yeah. Are people really going to be going to it? Shame yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I think I, I think I was not a, I think I was on board on that one. You know, was it a risk to put this huge climbing game and will anybody climb it? Yeah, I've done it four times already. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're knocking on my door. <laughs> Come on, Nathan. What am I doing, guys? I know, just recently uh, there was Everesting as well. So I think, I think, um, I think you'll see more calls. This won't be the last one. You know, and there's all those achievements you got to be going for. That's got to be a little bit of carrot. Now, people are wondering, what's your best time up the Alp? I think I did 54, and my my goal is to get to 50. We have a number of fast riders uh, at, at Zwift. Um, I think we, I think someone clocked 45 or 44 minutes already. Yeah, I, was, I think I did, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I got a 45, but I think Jordan Rapp, 37, 58. He's under 40. Yeah, which 30, is, he, I think we, he was, he was looking at yeah. me he was like 37, 58. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's a former professional triathlete, yeah, yeah. Uh, world champion. He has all the credibility. Now, is there some competition in house then a little bit at Swift about who's going to get the faster times or at least comparing? I think so, but it's hard to be Jordan. Yeah, he yeah. is so fit at the moment. Okay, and Nathan, finally on the on the Alpha Swift. I mean, make no apologies for talking about it extensively on uh, this episode, even though we are a bit late with it. Sorry about that, but we have both been like super busy on other things. But uh, the last the last thing on this, um, again, I think the clever thing about it, the selection of this actual climb, this like our benchmark. I mean, it's useful in. In, in a couple of ways, really. It's useful for measuring yourself against. I mean, I know you're not measuring yourself against an hour, but I think an awful lot of people will be looking at how far under or over an hour they are. I mean, I certainly am, you know, an hour is a, a kind of big time for me. But also, an hour is a great time for a session. I mean, I can see people using this for workouts. I can see them using it as actually as part of structured training. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, especially with how the gradients come at you and, and, then, and then it kind of levels out a little bit and then comes at you again and then levels out again, you could do a great over-under over session, you know, yeah. up, up the up for sure, um, as long as you're not, like, getting that candy out there, which is the very top, and you start thinking about what your overall time <laughs> is going to be and you ruin the session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you, you could even do it in erg mode. You could, you could set you erg could, mode up. Yeah, you could do erg mode, and there is, it is pretty beautiful as far as that goes. Um, Anywhere it's due here, I think it's a bit of an inspired choice in terms of duration. Yeah, for sure. And even if you're a, a new to, you know, a new cyclist, a beginner cyclist, and you're doing it at, say, an hour 45, it's a really good benchmark to set because that's something you can chip away at. It's it's that duration that'll, you know, you'll lose sleep over it for sure. But if you can conquer your demons and get over that, over the top of the KOM in an hour and a half next time, maybe an hour 25 in a few months time, it's a really good benchmark to set. Some people really fear that 20 minute power FTP test which um, I can't remember the last time I did one because I don't like them at all. But an hour, it's not too bad. You don't really cook yourself too hard. You can distract yourself. I think you're on the money there, that it's long enough and hard enough to be something special, um, something people will test themselves against.
There isn't really any other motivation out on Zwift right now to just go do an hour. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, like to just, I mean, exactly. where else are you going to get the motivation besides going out to a real life climb to just go, I am going to go and hammer myself for one hour yeah. up and over the top yeah. of this. As far as the training tool goes, it's like kind of my no, new go-to. You will see me going to the Alp pretty much every time I'm out on Zwift right now, essentially because there's that 25 carat and there's some new wheels as well. Yeah. And some of those kudos and achievements in games, there's some objectives out there now to go after. After, so yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, well done, Zwift. Well done, Zwift. We uh, we definitely approve of the Alp to Zwift. Hello and welcome to Bespoke in London for the finals of the Kiss Crit Series Europe. We're here in London. We've made it. We're going to be racing next to each other indoor. This is the future. Yeah, this is uh, this event is amazing, and uh, we see that indoor uh, biking is not just about training anymore. It's about fun, and we see a lot more people joining, and I think a lot more people will join in the future. They are off here right now. These are some of the strongest female riders on Zwift. One major factor tonight is going to be the live audience. We're learning to hear a little bit of crowd out there. Can we hear the crowd a little bit, London? Make some noise. Bob now still leading it up as he makes her way to the line. Still trying to make the chase. Give me Baldy. You've got Cassie. Cassie trying oh. to make the chase. But Kristen Falk, Kristen Falk across the line was able to make it happen. Is there going to be a next one? Well, absolutely, there'll be more of these, for sure. It's virtual power, but it's real-life suffering. If you could see the faces live with the artists, as most can, they're dripping, they're soaking, they're trying, they're panting, they're trying to get air down, they're trying to get the heart rate down. Dempster! Oh, Dempster! Oh, there's a oh my gosh! Dempster's going to do it, Goodness, with the upset, a smile, the reaction. Gavin Dempster is your kiss, great KEU champion. Uh, well, Nathan and I are together in London, and not as has been traditional on these occasions, when generally we're to be found in, like, squatting on a bed in a hotel room. Uh, we found ourselves... There's a sleeping kind of, Lindsay in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we found ourselves in, in rather a nice atrium in the hotel we were staying in last night because we were both at the Kiss Crit EU finals. Um, the new format, I mean, we had prims, <clears throat> which is not so new, and then we had elimination rounds. Now, the elimination rounds, actually, on the men's race were not quite as pivotal as they were in the women's race, I don't think, because a couple of riders, surprisingly big names, actually, were off the back. So they were kind of eliminated automatically without there being a sprint for the elimination line. But, but those tweaks to the race format, they did seem to serve to animate the whole race. It was a... 
I mean, I know it was going to be a big race anyway because it was a, a grand final, but mm. there was a lot of animation during the race. Yeah, that's uh, there was always action happening, mm. you know, and so um, there is uh, some feedback at Zwift um, from the community at times about racing just being about power, yeah. right? And so we made it about more than just power at the end, especially with the sprint. You know, especially on a crit series, that was one of the feedbacks that was kind of like, look, it's like everybody hangs out and waits for this unless there's a super strong rider that can get away. Mm. And so this made a situation where there were other objectives that people could go after throughout the race that caused everybody to have to respond. And yeah. those objectives also impacted the overall race because it might have caused a break or it might have caused something to happen during the race or somebody to have to use extra energy during the race. With the Zwift boss, Eric Min, around and on hand, we thought it would be a crazy opportunity missed not to ask him whether the race features we saw might even make it into the game. A couple of things real quick on the dev side of things. I know people are be wondering, they saw the eliminations, mm -hmm. they saw, you know, that, that was in the points. Maybe something that we'd be looking toward more gamification, toward yeah. this kind of thing with game yeah. modes and stuff in the future? I mean, you can go from one extreme to something far more gamey. I think by just taking away some of the data that we make available to all the riders could just change the dynamics. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have we can't accommodate 30 riders, but imagine if we had six teams of five, and suddenly they can start you know coordinating and yeah, have yeah. real teamwork in in the event. So there are a number of things that we are already thinking about, and of course um, you know equipment selection could be could could you could be gamified. Um, drafting could be stronger in races, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are lots of things that we can we can do. And so this is all part of uh, us just tweaking and experimenting. But, you know, if you ask me, I think I think uh, virtual racing and you know, our version of esports has huge potential. I mean, this, this raises a point, really. We, we're both very familiar with racing. Here's us discussing the kind of finer technical details of it. But how appealing do you think that event would be last night to your average Swifter who doesn't race? So how appealing do you think it would have been as a, as a spectator event? Uh, well, I mean, across the board, we had really good viewership both on Twitch and Mixer and YouTube and, and Facebook so we had viewership and it was, <laughs> people were hyped about it and chat mm -hmm. was going great. I had chats open the whole time and I could see people constantly going off about mm -hmm. it. There's definitely a strong base of viewership. Actually there's actually a, a, a very very strong base of viewership already in existence yeah. you know so it's coming and showing up like yeah. but i think they're the race viewers i mean if 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 swift racing is going to be or or swift racing or virtual bike racing as an esport is going to be successful it's got to pull in people who are not necessarily interested in racing or don't participate in racing do, do, do you think it's really capable of doing that of pulling in a general audience the reason I think it is is because it's immediately relatable to any individual. Yeah. So, um, in order to understand cricket, when I go and turn yeah, it on yeah. here, yeah. I turned it off immediately. Sorry, guys, yeah. but I didn't understand anything that was going on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> not, many, not many people do understand so, cricket. But this actually. is but yeah, but, yeah. but this is to the point though yeah, yeah. that you watch this sport and immediately you understand. You pedal your bike and you go forward, and I think that's why cycling, uh, along with a, a few other sports, I mean, football slash soccer as well, very simple, you put a ball on the ground, kick mm. it in the goal. Mm. You know, there's there's some things that are just universally gonna go very easily to a mass market as far as a sport goes. Mm. Um, and then also being able to have a controlled environment on the athletes as well, where you don't have to have a helicopter coming in, and, and you know what I mean, so you can see what they're doing right in front of you and yeah. how it's expressing in game. So I think those two things match together because 
There's reality in the eSports. Now here's the criticism of the eSports side of things. When you put a camera PIP, picture in picture, on an eSports competitor, they're sitting there like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Versus Tom Hargreaves last night yeah, yeah. Well, going well, for that. Most, I mean, most of the male racers, there were shots of them. I mean, this is a much, much overused word, but man, they were suffering. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was yeah, some yeah. serious So I think faces. the relationship to people in a general audience is much more, they, they think they can grab it a lot quicker yeah. um, than I think most, than, than maybe some people would, would say that would criticize it and say it can't go anywhere to mass market. Um, I think there is a relatability for sure. Shane, I know you poked your head into the CBR events in uh, Los Angeles. Well, you were on your um, falling in love trip with uh, with Southern California. Um, the interesting thing I think about about the CBR event this time was it garnered quite a lot of attention in the in what you might call the mainstream cycling press. They, they did very well on publicity. Actually, it was on kind of Velo News and some some of the bigger sites. Um, and they were they were. The, the PR man for CBR, I have to say, did a very good job because there was a lot of enthusiasm uh, around, is this the future of cycling on on those mainstream mainstream sites? Um, because we've, we've both been so busy, and I'm a bit late with this podcast, it has to be said, well, we've not really di discussed CBR. I mean, what, what did you make of it? Popping in there, it was really good to see them. Now, what CBR did over in London um, was and Vegas was sort of a one race, one hit wonder. And they were really stressful being a competitor there, traveling so far for one race, and it's all on the line. But I guess that had a beauty to it as well. They then switched it up for Paris and they had a multi-stage race and they tried something very, very different. And I think it worked for Paris. So what they've done here in uh, Long, uh, wasn't Long Beach, sorry, it was near Long Beach. It was in California there in Los Angeles was the same format as they used in Paris. So they weren't reinventing the wheel. They weren't inventing anything new. They were just sort of rolling out what they've done before successfully, but this time bringing along some superstars. So we saw Lionel Sanders there. That got a lot of attention. And look, we saw all the media hype about it. Look, the headline that I had a bit of a problem with was, is this the future of cycling? Well, it's not the future of cycling. It is a future of cycling for sure. Like cyclocross isn't going to take over um, yeah, the Tour de France or mountain biking or anything. It's it's a, a certain pathway. So with, uh, with Swifting here, as I now call it, it's a new discipline to cycling. CVR and this live esports side of things is definitely going to be there. But as for how successful it's going to be, well, I guess for the last year, we've been told and we've been reading all these presses saying, look, it's going to be the next big thing. It's if you're it up to us on a plate, it's there. It's there to watch. The competitors are there. The competition is really good to watch and uh, I guess to get involved with. But is it going to be as big as they're telling us? I guess that's up to everyone. That's up to the universe to figure out, I guess. Um, anyway, that was the EU one. We're both headed uh, across the Atlantic for the American version, which will be on Saturday. Um, that both men and women, Nathan, that is a strong field. Yeah, I'm so as, you, as you'd expect. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. I mean, there were there were really strong fields yesterday. Now again, I mean, this uh, this coming week is um, is really going to be going to be stacked. That's. <laughs> You know, and it's going to be fun to meet all the racers. That's one of the main things is meeting. Yeah. Uh, I've met, met, met a few of them, but but uh, there's going to be some new faces, though, at some of these land events that will be interesting to see how things go down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really interesting. I, I just, we just had breakfast here, and I was on the next door table was, was the guy who won last night, Gavin. 
and, I, and he was, I mean, he was still absolutely buzzing. He had this massive smile on his face. I mean, he, that win meant so, so much to him. Yeah, I could tell last night, um, he was probably one of the most ecstatic, actually. I think yeah. it was a huge buildup, and I think there, he was emotional about it, too. I think, yeah. I mean... Investment, effort, you know, invest, investment, the word. investment. Investment is yeah. the best word yeah. there. Emotional yeah. investment, time investment, yeah. how much scheduling they've done yeah. in order just to get yeah. this done. And, uh, and it was quite the build-up for him for that moment. That was great. If you get a chance to, to watch the replay, even over the last couple of minutes of uh, particularly the men's race, no disrespect to women, the women's race was exciting as well, but the men's race was something else. If you can seek it out and find it, uh, I think you'll find it a rewarding watch. Last, uh, the last lap was sensational. Uh, okay, Nathan, well, we've got to discuss this. We've got to discuss it quite carefully. Um, but we kind of owe it to viewers and listeners because um, uh, as, as as company watchers will know, there, there was a big uh, kind of company conference, I suppose you'd call it. It was called, uh, called an off-site where everybody involved in Swift came together in California. Was it only a couple of weeks ago? It feels like longer, but I think it was a couple of weeks ago. And, and we kind of owe it to tell you a, a little bit more about it because there were pictures of us all over social media, including one of three of us sat on the back seat of a bus watching, <laughs> <laughs> watching virtual bike racing like Naughty Boys, which I thought was quite funny. Um, uh, so we, we need to kind of report back on it, but we've got to report back on it carefully for reasons that I hope people will understand because we're under an NDA. I mean, we've signed a non-disclosure agreement. We can't give away commercially sensitive information, and, and you would expect that. It's, it's only fair. But what I think we can do, Nathan, I think we can give a kind of general overview about the stuff we saw and how exciting we felt it was. And I, th- I said that to Shane. I've discussed this with Shane. And, and, and we saw, like a map for kind of the year ahead and even me as a kind of grizzled old veteran of Zwift I was really 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 excited and and Shane uh, when, when I spoke to him um, just seen that on tape said said a similar thing what about you yeah I was really excited um, you know the most exciting thing the thing that keeps on ringing in my ears uh, is maybe not the roadmap as much but just kind of like Zwift's aim, like mm. what their aim is and, and, and the scope that they're after. Mm. I mean, I think Eric thinks big, you know, and, and dreams big. And I mean, the I remember seeing in one of the presentations, it was like Facebook, Strava, YouTube, like these brands that were being pushed, Zwift. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. kind of like, you know, the online fitness app yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like that I, that yeah. is and i i, I th- and i think it's obvious that that's where Zwift but is, they'd like to they're go. aiming yeah. you know what i mean and so i mean we've got swift bike we've got swift run yeah who knows what's coming next kind of a thing you know so um and that's really exciting for me uh in in a, in a general sense to see um gaming and fitness really meet because that's always yeah. been my uh, yeah. thing from the get-go. But, but that's like company strategy, which, which is great. I mean, if you're a, if you're a Zwifter, you, you're, you want to be a part of something that's going to be mm-hmm. bigger. But of course, what people probably who listen and, and watch the Zwiftcaster yeah, 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 yeah. is, is the feature that I really, really want yeah. on the roadmap. And they're the kind of stuff, things that we can't really say. But we can say that the stuff that I saw on the roadmap, it is what, a lot of it is what the community's been asking for. Yeah, there is a lot, there is a lot. There's a lot that's already been hinted at, I think, from inside too, that yeah. was in there, you know? And so there's things that we've hinted around here and there that was in there. There's some other surprises that um, I think will really um, 
be eye-opening a little bit yeah. to some to some of the riders, but at the same time, they'll be really excited. There's a few wow moments for sure, but I think every company really has to aim for the stars or shoot for the moon and land in the stars. What's the what's the saying we read on little bits of uh, wood in those craft shops? Yeah. Something like that. Um, look, there were some fantastic things, but I guess the hard part is uh, truly delivering those and also, um, I guess, management and investors agreeing to certain pathways they may go, may go down or may not. Um, yeah, look, look, I've been a Zwifter for three years now and I'm not giving up anytime soon. And I'm sure, yeah, from what we saw, I don't think anybody's going to be giving up anytime soon either because there's some pretty cool stuff coming up. Um, but there are some competitors chomping at their heels. Yeah. So Zwift have to invent. They have to reinvent what they're doing, um, I guess, go down different pathways, keep it exciting. As we spoke about, gamify things, add some more missions and just keep developing things, keep rolling ahead of the curve. They've, they're, they're riding a very, very big wave at the moment, as we've seen with the numbers on Zwift and the numbers climbing, the outdoors climb and all that. There's huge numbers there. They have to stay ahead of that because competitors will come along and look at that market and say, well, we want a piece of that pie as well. And, and what we saw in one of my presentations at the offsite was, you know, what are the competitors up to? Or, you know, what's the competition doing? Because I get to ride them all here in the pain cave. And uh, there's a few little interesting things happening here or there, but what's on Zwift's timeline looks very exciting. And uh, look, I can't wait to see that roll out. Look, again, I want it all now. I want it all to be able to write it and enjoy it now, but we're going to have to wait, I guess, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you should you should raise the issue of competitors because, as you say, that was the subject of, of your presentation and, and, and very uh, it was an interested audience that, that received it. My overwhelming impression after watching your presentation, and obviously, you know, watching watching this 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 area as I do very carefully and very closely, is uh, number one. I absolutely welcome competition. I think anybody who rides bike indoors for at least part of the year must welcome competition. You know, it's it's good. It's good for everybody. It's good for Swift. Keeps them on their toes. It's good for consumers because we all benefit from it. Uh, and we, we we have said this before. But my overwhelming impression after your presentation was. Um, if I had 10 grand to invest and I could choose any one of the three, I actually would not choose the competitors because I just think they've got way, way, way too much catching up to do. And, and even if they do catch up, Zwift are then going to be like another two years ahead. I think they've got a tough, tough, tough proposition, even to be a, a good second. Um, do, do, you, do you share that? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I, I share spot on your timeline there as well, the two years ahead or two years behind, depending on who you're looking at, because Zwift have really, well, they came out two years ago with a very solid product. Even Jarvis Island was still a pretty good little race loop, pretty good social group there, and things have just grown from there. So for someone to compete with Zwift, they need to be at that level. To be, to be even competitive with Swift, or they need to do something extremely different with a massive value prop that's going to be, that's going to revolutionize indoor cycling. Now we haven't seen much change. I mean, we've got erg mode, we've got sim mode. We've got a few ex different modes we can use on the, the, the tax Neo trainer that you know, does a few different things, but we need a lot more than just hardware and software combo to change things up and to really compete with what Swift are doing. So yeah, as I said, I, I share the view of two years. A lot of the competitors are probably two years behind, but nothing's stopping them from reinventing the wheel, but they're going to have a hard time doing it. Anyway, it's, it's all interesting to see. And uh, the competitors that are out there, and I think they're all learning from each other. We saw with uh, one of the 
uh, one of the specific competitors actually using some of the resources from Zwift, I think you'd call it. That's my opinion, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's pretty conclusive from what I saw. Um, so Chinese, I think, yes. Yeah, Chinese copycats, Shane. Chinese copycats, surely, surely, surely. That'd, that'd be a phrase. That, <laughs> that'd be a phrase. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting to see. And look, the, what one thing is there is a certain level that they all reach already. So they all change resistance with your trainer. Now that was a big thing early on. They you know trainer resistance or trainer compatibility. That's that's sort of at a certain level. All the 3D graphics are still pretty good. So now the differentiator is you know the courses or the workout modes or the workouts. But I think the biggest assets we have to have are the people. Now it's the community. It's the forty-five thousand plus in Zwift riders. It's the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who have signed up at any stage of Zwift and know about it and tell their friends about it. Um, and that's a massive, massive, powerful marketing engine that you, you can't pay for that. You just have to grow that, and uh, yeah, hope that your product is still the best. And I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm biased. Look, I've got the Zwift um, posters on the wall, and uh, I still drink the Kool Aid. So, <laughs> well, well, you know, but I mean, you know, always. Uh, that's true. I mean, we're, we're boys, and we've, you know, we've never made any, any, you know, any bones about that. We, we, we do like, and, and we we come at the podcast and kind of all of our interactions uh, from from that from that starting point that we do like the game, um, but we can sometimes be, a, you know, a, a, a critical friend, as it were. But, but going back to your point about football, and and you know, I think that's a re- a really interesting point about people. It's not just the audience, actually. It's also the staff. You know, because they've now got 160 highly talented, highly skilled, highly specialised people. You can't recruit people like that overnight. I mean, you just can't. Well, look, Zwift themselves can't recruit them overnight. They're, they're still recruiting almost daily, I think. They're still growing that team and growing and growing. And what was uh, – we were even privileged enough to be invited to the team building games as well, which was kind of weird being sort of external, but being involved in how they operate and how they – it was a bit of fun, though. Come on, Simon. Come on. <laughs> we threw yeah, some yeah, paper I, planes I, I, Shane, and we – Shane, Shane, I, I, I don't do that kind of fun. That, that, you know, that kind of <laughs> So it was actually, luckily, it wasn't touchy-feely. If it had been touchy-feely, you know, <laughs> I, I would have been out of there, let me tell you. But happily, it, happily, it, it, it wasn't It wasn't one of those team-building exercises. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was. Well, we were, we were playing leapfrog in, in playgrounds, and I think they were singing songs to the FedEx guy. It was kind of weird. But one thing, and one really important um, thing of note that um, – that was just evident throughout the whole weekend there was that no matter where anybody in the company sat, they're all part of a, you know, they're all a cog, I guess, in the bike. And no matter if they do the, the website testing or the, um, the programming of um, what we saw in your video, Simon, the little bolts on the fence there, yeah. all of those, if any of those components don't work or don't gel together, it's going to be noticed. So, yeah, it was really good to see the entire team and just the size of the departments as well. Um, yeah, seeing the, one thing that was fascinating is we sat, we sat down in the big room there and all the different departments stood up and all the managers introduced all their teams. Everybody knew everyone's name from their teams. Um, and I guess some teams didn't know other teams because the company's getting that big, which is good to see. But they're all so important. So, yeah, I, I, I would like to have gone around and talked to every one of them and thanked them for what they're, uh, what they're creating because this thing's changing. It really is. And, and sometimes you get lost in a bit of that. If you're just testing a website or you're just, you know, you're loading a mobile app and it doesn't this way. And, but once you get that right, 
there's hundreds of thousands of people who are going to use that. So it's super important work they're doing from this level to way up high. So it's all good to see. And they're all really good people as well. I hope we kind of found the balance there of not being like overly secretive about this event because people did know that we attended it, but trying to give you a bit of an insight. I don't think into... we even just said anything. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say anything just now. Well, we, yeah, well, we just spent three minutes not we saw saying things. too much. Just so you guys know, we saw things. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we've done our best with that one. We've done our best with that one. That's all I can say. Okay, let's move on. Now, I do love a good factory tour, particularly of a factory that makes uh, things for bikes. And uh, I was lucky enough to get uh, an invite and a great tour of the Cyclops factory in Madison, Wisconsin, just down the road from Nathan when I was in America, oh, four, five, six weeks ago now. Uh, anyway, uh, here is my report based on that terrific factory tour of Cyclops. I've done a few of these factory visits to trainer manufacturers now, and I'm always surprised at just how labour-intensive the process is. It's no different at the headquarters of Cyclops in Madison, Wisconsin. Right now, we find the best way to build it is by hand. Nate Douse, manufacturing engineer at Saris. It's a delicate piece of machinery. Um, it allows the operator to get that hands-on feel and make sure things are right. Getting it right sometimes means extraordinary measures. In the early days of the hammer, the production team had to go for a ride on 2,000 different trainers. Right when we launched Hammer, we did not have uh, vibration measurement capabilities on our calibration stands. So product management, myself, and a few other unlucky volunteers, we rode just about the first 2,000 to 2,200 units that came off the assembly line. Ah, the C word, calibration. It's ultimately what prevents the process being automated. Calibration depends on the control of variables, and there's just too many. It's, uh, it's small variations in everything. It's the environment that we build in. You know, it, we're in Wisconsin. It ranges from ultra cold to 100 degrees Fahrenheit and 99% humidity. Uh, we, we try to keep the facility at a comfortable temperature and humidity, but you know, we do have those big variations. We have variations in components and that you know, kind of forces our hand on having to calibrate every single unit to ensure that we're within an acceptable accuracy for the customer. At the heart of the hammer is the casting, a single piece of aluminium that's brought into the factory and finished in a big, expensive-looking machine. Uh, so we get our, the, the aluminum castings in from our supplier, and um, once we get those in, they, they need some kind of post-processing. Eric Albers, product manager at Cyclops. Uh, we're machining off the flats to uh, easily mount the board on a nice flat spot. Um, you know, flat spots to mount the, the, the resistance uh, mechanism in the hammer. So really we're just facing all those off. Um, we're tapping the holes. Um, we're making sure that the axle is uh, nice and concentric. Um, and then you saw we actually used the machine to press the axle in as well. So um, kind of a unique use for a, a machining fixture. The hammer has sold so well that Cyclops bought two of these babies and they run pretty much 24-7. The other thing I like to explore on these company visits is to find out how the manufacturers predict and then meet demand. It can sometimes feel, for all trainer manufacturers, that winter takes them as something of a surprise. 
Um, we are manufacturing is just-in-time manufacturing, which means we get the order um, from the customer and then our, uh, our, our, our manufacturing team responds to that order. They build the order for, um, or build the product for that order. What, what are the advantages of that as a, as a company? Uh, response time. Um, we're able to respond to orders very quickly um, and um, you know, the quality. So if, if things change, if parts change or if we have a new firmware update, we don't have thousands sitting in a warehouse that have this old firmware on it. We're spitting that firmware out, sending that out almost immediately. Uh, the, in the industry as a whole does tend to get kind of caught out by winter. And by caught out, I mean not providing enough trainers for the consumer to buy them exactly when they want them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a delicate balance, and um, you know, with our just-in-time inventory, maybe it makes us a little bit uh, more susceptible to to some of those um, instances. Uh, but I'd like to think we respond pretty well to the market, and they're able to buy the trainers when they want them. Um, but I know that's not always always reality. The company is extremely proud of its Made in America label. Um, it, it's very important for myself and, and for Saris and Cyclops in general. Um, and, and, and we say, a lot of times we, we don't just say Made in America, we say Made in, in Madison, um, which is Madison, Wisconsin here. Um, we do a lot of our, 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 our sourcing of products within three miles, excuse me, three hours of, of Madison. So it's really impressive. Um, I hope it matters to the consumer. Um, you know, we, we put a lot of love into our products. They are hand built um, every screw every little piece so um, uh, I, I think that um, they, they see that as a quality product in the end. Shane, back to you. Um, I think we both think that after a bit of a kind of fallow year last year your bike this year which is coming up really really soon because they've changed the date of it um, is going to be a palace a palace of sparkling jewels for uh, for people who like to ride their bike indoors a bit. And um, during that factory tour with, with Cyclops, I did do a kind of separate interview with Eric. And this is what he said about some of the factors that, uh, some of the features he thinks, features and products he thinks might be coming out to increase the kind of immersive experience of cycling indoors. So um, here's Eric. And what elements do you see going into immersion? I mean, movement we've already we've already covered. Sure. Um, lighting is one. Uh, sure. Steering, Move. maybe another. Movement, lighting, steering. Um, maybe what about a fan control? You know, you have that feel of the wind. Um, you know, as you're as you're speeding up, slowing down, going down a hill. Um, so it's all sorts of things. You know. Uh, you, a lot of companies still continue to play with virtual reality. Um, I think virtual reality is a ways away, but I think that there's um, what's called augmented reality. I think that is um, could lend itself really well to indoor training. So um, it's a little bit more on the software side necessarily, but um, I, I think all these things combined are, are certainly possibilities for the market. Uh, Shane, lighting, fans, I mean fans might be hooked up, who knows, to the speedy dooning games, something like that. Rocker plates, I mean we know rocker plates are coming at, at Eurobike. Um, you know, uh, Wi-Fi control lights, I mean we've seen John experimenting with those. Two things, I mean at one I think Eurobike is going to be just like super interesting this year and two there's, there's still a way to go isn't there for, for, for innovation around indoor cycling. 
Yeah, well, you mentioned Palace and Jewels, and as a Disney fan, I've spent two full days uh, with, in, in palaces and things. So if I can make my indoor cave here look a little bit like Cinderella's house, I'll be happy. <laughs> I'm a secret Disney fan. But look, you, you mentioned so fans themselves. Not and, so and secret. <laughs> Okay, everybody on the Zwiftcast knows <laughs> and on my social media channels. <laughs> but speaking of fans, both you and I right now, if you're watching the uh, the video version of this, our fans are behind us. They're, a, they're an integral part of indoor cycling um, and also our lighting here. Again, it's another super important part. And if you can make that experience or make, just again, take away the boredom of just a fan blowing in your face, that's it, or a light that's just on and blasting. If you can... When things change, a change is as good as a holiday. So if you can just even have your fan speed change, your lighting change based on even the music or something like that, that's kind of cool. It's good use of tech. Um, like we see with the rocker plates, it's bringing more of the outside in and people having a better experience. So look, again, I can't wait for uh, Euro Disney, sorry, Eurobike, and uh, yeah, to see what's see what's on the cards. Let's just hope it's not e-bike, Phil, because it's a lot of those e-bikes are like creeping e-bikes. in. Do you really? You don't like e-bikes, do you? I, I, I differ from you on this. I mean, I'd never, I'd never get an e-bike. Don't get me wrong. No, no, I, I wouldn't say no. When I, you know, when I'm ninety, I'm, uh, I get an e-bike because, and, and this gets to my thing about e-bikes. I'd rather be on a bike than not. I'd rather be in a, on a bike than in a car. I'd rather be in, you know, on a bike than almost any other form of transport. And and if an e-bike kind of helps me do that, then I'm pretty cool with e-bikes and also they normalize cycling you know they take it away from this kind of you know sort of you've got to wear lycra and they make cycling more <laughs> every day but anyway that's that's my that's pitch. where i'm coming from <laughs> that's, that's that's my pitch for e-bikes you uh, can i not change your mind on them uh look i having seen them as i see them as utility bikes much like a motor scooter mm. but you're never going to see one indoors here on the indoor trainer for me to push myself hard you, ne- you never talk about e-bikes and training or e-bikes and pushing yourself i'm coming from a an old school racing mentality of you know it's it's all under your own steam but i do see their point and and i tell you what over in um just around Eurobike, there the amount of people who had e-bikes and like just as utility bikes going to and from work just cranking along they're still turning their pedals a little bit but that was phenomenal but the speeds they get too i was a little jealous of their speeds but look from from me from a training perspective from a racing perspective e-bikes there's there's um i mean the uci are scanning against e-bikes aren't they they're scanning for those motors to get rid of them so not for racing or training but i guess for going to school maybe yeah yeah well well, i think we can agree as a point of compromise on that yeah yeah i i I agree with that I, i would never use them for improving my performance but i might use them to get from a to b in a slightly more comfortable manner perhaps anyway anyway uh, there will be bikes at your back because there always are the germans are obsessed with you um anyway uh shane just bef- just before we wrap up um in the northern hemisphere i mean there are signs of a little bit of a change here um and we can't really have a swiftcast without discussing the weather particularly since we have this great global perspective but in the Northern Hemisphere, it's like the never-ending winter. I mean, it's just bananas. And you've got, I understand, a kind of never-ending summer. Well, I'm still in, hang on, we've got still shorts and T-shirts here. Sorry, the, uh, I might have been a bit too far for the mic to show my shorts. But um, look, 
Uh, we're living on borrowed time here, and I think it's it's just just global karma. You guys are a bit colder. We're still a bit warmer. That's going to flip change very soon. I thought I was going to bring it back to the States with me, and it was going to be snowing here. Not quite yet, though. Um, so I can't complain. I can't complain. It's nice and warm here. Still working on the suntan, but I think my Zwift cave is going to get a lot more work very, very soon. Well, you know, I wouldn't wish bad weather on you, but if you get bad weather, maybe we'll get some good weather. Who knows? It will be. That's how it works for really, sure. Really, really <laughs> nice to get some decent weather in the Northern Hemisphere. Anyway, uh, that's it, Shane. Thank you very much indeed for taking part. Uh, slight, oh, sorry, we're slightly disjointed with me and you in one place and me and Nathan in another place. I'm see how that works out in the edit. But uh, anyway, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, thanks very much, Shane. Great to talk to you as ever. No worries. Thanks, Simon, and thanks to all the listeners. Okay, well, here we are back in London. Uh, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. You're getting on a plane this afternoon. A few hours, yeah. Yeah. Um, I seem to have inherited five very large and heavy bags full of technical equipment <laughs> to, <laughs> to take back to um, to Long Beach. So I'm, I'm looking forward to making my way through the airport with, uh, with that, well, along with my own two enormous oh bags that I've got, one of which might or might not contain a bicycle. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, but uh, what I'm hoping when I get to California, and I, I, I hate to be terribly British and bang on about the weather, but I do, I do think, Nathan, that this winter, I mean, it's great for Zwift. I mean, they, I'm sure they, they love it because this winter has been, like, everlasting. And you, I mean, you were telling me when you, uh, when you got here, you showed me a, a weather map of Wisconsin and there was, like, another, like, two foot of snow or yeah, something. Yeah, there was snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... You actually have Zwift riders littered with those weather maps that show yeah. the purple and blue and, and, yeah. and where it's snow and where it's not, and literally they're just covered with snow yeah. still in a lot of the northern yeah. hemisphere. So it's, um, I think, you know, it's interesting is I've had snow in May for mountain bike races, but it was like a one-off, you know yeah. what I mean? But this is consistent. Yeah. Like, we haven't had like a week of warm and then That's it's right. back. Yeah, there's just been no sign of spring at all. <laughs> I mean, the weather forecast for the, certainly for the UK for the upcoming week is, is, is a lot better, it must be said. But, I mean, where are we? Middle of April, it's like spring. Where are you? Yeah. You know, it'd be really nice to see you now. have just a weather dial. Yeah. They actually just, just the so you guys know, there is a Vila Laminati <laughs> that actually just is going like this. They own Zwift and they're just turning that <laughs> dial correctly. Uh, you don't know how much power they actually have. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to say it is good news for Zwift. And, and only, you don't need to look in Zwift riders to see how many people are, you know, still riding indoors and really actually wanting to be at least doing a bit outdoors. And, and that's the same for me. I am yearning now to get out. I really I mean, am. Those who ride outdoors. I don't know who these guys are. Who rides outdoors? No, <laughs> yeah, no I ride outdoors. Yeah, I do. And I'm, I am looking forward to getting back outdoors. Anyway, I'm also looking forward to getting across to, to California where I might squeeze a ride outdoors in, hopefully, in between preparing for the um, American Crit Finals, which are coming up on Saturday. Um, we'll both be there. You will be doing another sterling commentary job how did how did you keep your voice going last night four hours uh, could could you just give me one, one sec oh. okay um so uh we just got interrupted by a very nice gentleman from security actually just checking from the hotel management just checking that uh, we have permission which um obviously we do don't we <laughs> so I think we better wrap this one up. Uh, okay, um, so I'll see you over the pond, Nathan. Yep.
getting ready for some more commentary. I'm super excited for it, and I can't wait to see all of the Zwift community that's showing up. Yeah. And how did you get through your voice yesterday, four hours? It wasn't too bad. I've done, you know, I'm, I think, like, my uh, voice muscles are stronger uh, than my hardened, leg muscles at this yeah. point. So, um, you know, we've done WBR 24. Yeah. We've done yeah, yeah. nationals. I mean, yeah, those were yeah. some big events. Four hours That wasn't that big. Plus, I just could just throw it to you or Rebecca. Hey, Simon, <laughs> we need to get off of me for a little while. So, no. Like, it's a little different. And um, with that kind of commentary, you actually have so much more space to be very creative. Whereas at my home studio, it's um, you don't stop. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just it's just you're you got to just be the host the whole time. Yeah. Which is way different than what we're doing. Yeah. It has more pressure and it has a little bit more um, going on. But that almost like adds to the creative process in the moment, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. Well, I think we'd better wrap it up now because yep. he's, he's still hovering. Yep, okay. Uh, thanks very much for watching or listening. See you next time.